What's up, everybody? It's the Disgruntled Sailor here. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to today's sponsor, Rowdy Sailors. It's a lifestyle brand for the Rowdy Sailor and all of us. It's also active duty owned and operated. They're putting out some cool stuff from t-shirts, flags, hats, tumblers, even stickers. Make sure you go check them out. Their Instagram handle is at Rowdy underscore Sailors and go support one of your own. Make sure you tell them the Disgruntled Sailor sent you and start living that Rowdy lifestyle. The views expressed on the Disgruntled Sailor podcast are exclusively our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of any member nor the view of the United States Coast Guard. Furthermore, the podcast does not have any association with nor endorsement from the Coast Guard. We're just two individuals who happen to be in the military, expressing our own personal views and opinions. So sit back, relax, crack a cold beer, unless you're underway, then next watch motherfucker. We're going to talk about mental health for a minute. All right. Um, mental health is something that's important to us. I'm obviously crazier than a shithouse rat. Uh, I'm a different kind of crazy. Um, but we're going we're gonna to move on and we're going to do some things. We're going to talk about um, some access, some virtual options, some seizure support shit. And um, please chime in when you feel necessary uh, in your expertise. So, uh, Fatso, what do you got? Before we get into mental health, I want to talk about uh, someone who was on the podcast. So we had, I forget which episode it was, but it was a two-parter, and it had to do with the aviator. So I'd like to dedicate this section of the show to him specifically. So um, the aviator recently passed away. Uh, so I, I was able to get a copy of the pamphlet from his memo- memorial service, um, and I want to read it real quick. So for those of you who, who don't know, the aviator was, uh, at the time he was AET-1 Hoke Harper. Uh, he was posthumously advanced, and, it's, and it reads, Chief Petty Officer Hoke Harper passed away Thursday, March 17th, 2022, in Astoria, Oregon, at the age of 38. Hoke graduated from Auburn High School in 2002. Following graduation, he attended Auburn University and in 2007 graduated with a degree in political science and a minor in business administration. He was a member of Phi Delta Theta Social Fraternity. Hoke met his wife, Carrie, at Auburn University, and they married on April 18, 2009. In 2017, they welcomed a son, um, Finian Harper, uh, who was, you know, as any kid is, the light of their parents' world. It says, um, especially when flying together in his Piper Archer airplane. Hoke's passion for flying was fostered by his father, Vandy Harper, his uncle Brian Torres, and his cousin Steve Torres, which led him to obtaining his private pilot's license. After graduating from Auburn University, Hoke's future in flying advanced when he joined the Coast Guard Air Operations. Following basic training and serving on the Coast Guard Cutter Sawfish in Key West and at the Coast Guard Station Cortez in Cortez, Florida, Hoke entered air operations, became an aviation electronics technician, and eventually advanced in the ranked Chief Petty Officer. His duties as AET included 
dismantling and reassembling the MH-60T Jayhawk helicopter he flew on, conducting search and rescue missions, and instructing other members of the Coast Guard. Additional assignments were in Clearwater, Florida, Kodiak, Alaska, and Astoria, Oregon. In his free time, Hoke was pursuing an instrument rating to his pilot's license. So, Hoke, this one goes out to you. Uh, we appreciate everything you did and having you on, and we're glad we were able to give your family a way to listen to your voice after you have left us. Yeah, so Hope crossed the bar in March, and uh, he was a good friend, and he will be missed. And what we do here is we joke we laugh, we bitch, and this is one of the few times where something we do has a positive impact. Um, his wife and his child will be able to listen to this episode as many times as they want, and uh, we're always here um, if they ever want to talk to us, you know, personally. But it's it's nice that we were able to create it, you know. T- two, three hours where he is encapsulated on what he did and what he loved and what he was about. And when his kid gets older, he can listen to it. Um, and it's just, it's nice that we were able to do that and he will be sorely missed. And, uh, you know, this beer goes out to you, my friend, you'll be sadly missed. Yeah. Um, so, we apologize for bringing everybody down a little bit, but that was important to me and the disgruntled sailor. Uh, so, we wanted to make sure we shared that with you. Um, disgruntled sailor, you got anything else before we uh, go to the next thing? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, Hoke was having some patches made for us. Uh, I remember a long time ago I posted a picture of a Hilo. And I said, does anybody out there or any aviators that listen, you know, can we get an aviation patch, you know, just for funsies? And Hoke actually messaged me back and made them for us. And they're they're right here. So this is, uh, it's the unit he was at, the unit logo, and it says Mr. Miami, and it's got the Coast Guard ensign, or the Coast Guard symbol on uh, one side. And on the back, uh, or on the other side, it's, it's got the disgruntled sailor, same thing as Mr. Miami's, you know, the, the unit logo he was at. Uh, and mine had a typo, and uh, Hoke was like, I'm going to get it fixed, don't worry about it. And then um, he ultimately succumbed to the 22 a day, and I I wasn't going to like reach out to the family and be like, yo, can I get those patches, because that's an asshole move. Uh, but I, I did want them because Hoke made them specifically for us. Um, so I happened, uh, I was at home one day and another one of Hoke's buddies messaged me and let me know, you know, what happened. Hush. And, uh, a few days later I messaged him and told him the story about the patches and was like, I don't care if there's a typo in the patch, you know, it, you know, do you think you could track down those patches and and get them for us? Because you know, Hulk they're important. Was on the show, yeah, they're important, right? Like we wanted them specifically because Hoke had them made for us, and he was like, 
yes, I'll, I'll, it would be an honor to, you know, try and finish something Hoax started. So, uh, Hoax wife actually gave me the patches. The, she had them, and she gave them to me. But uh, Hoax friend uh, actually recreated the patch and and fixed the typo, as well as made us a different patch that says subject matter enthusiast. And I know that's a term like that we've always wanted to use, and that's the patch if you can see it. Um, it's it's got a blue it's, background. It's gold on, around the outside. It's got like a salmon as the helicopter, and it says subject matter enthusiast, and it is just it's money. It's money. Yeah, so I, I, I don't want to put the person's name out there that, that gave us the patches, but um, we really appreciate it, and – I'm I'm glad we ended up getting the originals as well. Yeah. But um so just in case anyone doesn't know, um the new there's a new updated suicide hotline. It's uh nine eight eight. Um you can call that twenty four seven. Um someone will answer and talk to you. Um and like we said before, um if you're having any issues, um my phone is on twenty four seven. Message me on Mister Miami podcast on the yeah Mister Miami podcast Mister Miami Instagram. Uh, just on the sailor. We'll both talk to you. We'll video call you. Um, fucking just call us, man. Like, uh, just even if you're like, just not even sure about what you want to do. Like we we talked about the Reddit thing last last podcast. Um, if that person's listening, just fucking. Give me a call, man. I'm, I'm available 24-7, and uh, so is the Scrum Sailor. So just hit us up, let us know, and uh, we can help you. We can just, you, if you just want to vent for a while or you want to, you know, know what your options are, let us know. Um, so, like, for mental health specifically, um, what kind of access do we have here, gentlemen, for mental health? So real quick before I chime in on this, I just want to commend both of you for what you do with this platform. And I know you know it, and I know everyone else knows it, but just because, you know, you assholes gave me access to a microphone, I'm going to tell you, and everyone else has to listen. The, the fact that what happened and what went down with the the individual who put what he put on Reddit and and how you reacted and how you reached out to people and how it got the attention that it did. And then the fact that you have members who, who reach out to you and talk to you and the, the impact that you have across the entire coast guard. And honestly, if you look at some of the people that follow you guys, like across every branch of service really, which is incredible. So like, don't, don't lose sight of that. And don't lose sight of the fact that our number one resource to kind of transition into an answer to your question, Mr. Miami is each other. Like, our number one resource is each other. No one knows the person in your shop better than you. Like, you know that person. You know if something might be off. And I think it comes down to taking that that half a fucking second and just being like, hey, man, are you okay? Like, we all have days. We all have days that are shit. We all have days that suck. We all have uh, days that don't seem like they're going to be getting better and, and just another thing keeps getting piled on. But we also know that we get paid 24 hours a day and that... 30 seconds that it's going to take to be like, Hey man, are you all right? That goes a long way. So I, I just wanted to commend you both for what you've done with this platform and how you've been able to reach people. And to the impact that I don't think 
necessarily you realize because it's hard when you're you're the you're the star per se but like people at least at my unit i know that don't know that i know you know this colonel sailor from before and don't know that i know who he is but like they'll be talking about this podcast and talking about what happens and it brings it brings subjects like this that people aren't necessarily comfortable at talking about to light and i i think that's an absolutely commendable thing that you guys are doing thank you i appreciate that so resources uh, oh did you have something else nope all right so resources i'm just one one of the things that we uh one of the things that we throw out a lot, like CG support, I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to I want to give some understanding because there's a lot of misconceptions about CG support, and I think that kind of hurts us on both sides. We have people who are are trying to call CG support, expecting something they're not going to get because of that misconception, and then we have people who don't want to call CG support because of a misconception. So CG support is here to help. They're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like you have access to call CG support and get help. Now, with that, I think the part of the misconception comes from what help means. People think that they're going to be able to call CG support and they're going to have access immediately to a therapist or to a psychiatrist. And that is not what you have with CG support. CG support is there to help you with issues. And, and when you first get on that phone call with CG support and you call them, that person there is there to triage you just like anyone is when you call medical to ask for help or anytime you go into the ER, they're there to triage and say, what, what do we, what do we have? What's going on with you today? And, and they're going to be able to figure out what help you need. That's their job is to figure out what help you need. They're trying to get you matched up with the support that you need for your circumstance. Does, does, does a, a, a command have any access or, uh, not intel, but like, does the command get notified when you initiate with CG support? Absolutely not. Okay. So that, that there's not sure some, clear. there's not a blotter that goes out that says, "Hey, Seaman Timmy called CG support today. Make sure you watch out." Like, no, there isn't, and and th- that's the benefit. So that's another thing is a lot of people think that like the commands immediately get notified. No, that is not the case. Now, mm-hmm. part of they're there for what is referred to as non-medical counseling. And so that's where a, a pretty big misunderstanding comes from is a lot of people, again, think that they're going to call and they're going to immediately be on the phone with a psychiatrist or someone that can help them if they're in an immediate crisis. And that is what that not necessarily what that phone number is for. Now, they're going to connect you with the right people. They're going to get you what you need. But what really they're there for is to help you deal with issues that may be creating the the cause of this acute issue that you may be having if you've gotten to that point. So what I, I mm-hmm. immediately want to stress is that we need to start getting rid of this stigma and understanding that if we help people when they are in this phase where like, hey, it's just a money issue, I, I just need help with my finances. And if we get people help then, we aren't going to transition to the point where we need help and we're talking about suicidal ideations. So yeah. That that's a, I, a real I, important piece. Like that 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 Reddit Reddit post that you you mentioned. Like I feel like that that specific member didn't know. Like it it, it came up as is that a troll? Do you think that's a troll or not? And I think that because they asked, you know, what would happen if I if I said something, and I think a lot of people want to know specifically like. 
hey, I'm not okay, and I would like to talk to another human being, what what is going to happen specifically? Like, if <coughs> excuse me, sorry, if I say A, does B happen? If I call CG Port and say I need some assistance, I need some help, what exactly happens and what are the ramifications of using CG support? So from what I'm, I know about CG support, right? You get X amount of visits with whatever counselor they sign you up with. And those can be, those can be virtual. They can be on the phone. They can be video. They can be non-video. They can be audio. They can be a a myriad of different things. Correct. They can also be in person. Okay. So it can be whatever they have available for you. So, I know once you exceed those amounts of visits, right? You have then to get a referral. I, I, I'm pretty sure you need a referral from your primary care doc. And it, but at the same time, a lot of people don't know that those specific counselors aren't always within the Tricare network. So it's possible you might not be able to see that same counselor that you've built a history with because they volunteer. You, because they volunteer, and you might have to see a new one, and that hurts a lot of people because you you build a you you feel like you have to start all over, and you you built that rapport, and you talk to someone, they know your story, and now you have to, especially if there's a a trauma or something that someone's dealing with, and you feel like you have to reopen that and start all over. That is extremely disheartening, and again, it's it comes from expectations. They they don't know that that is a possibility, and mm-hmm. and I know, and especially in a lot of these areas, so you, you, getting that referral from your your primary care manager and initiating that if they aren't, if the counselor you're speaking with wasn't in the TRICARE network and you have to talk to somebody else, there's a gap. So another thing that I want to make sure that we we're imparting upon your listeners and everyone in the Coast Guard is that it's not, it's not something you need to do independently. You shouldn't start with Coast Guard support and then go through Coast Guard support until it's over and then try and talk to your PCM. You're looking, and depending on the region you're in, you might be looking at an eight-month to a year wait to get in person with someone if that's what you like, and that is a very long time. And I know it seems kind of silly to have to start three different options at one time, but unfortunately COVID, especially with everything that's been going on in the world, has absolutely saturated our civilian mental health networks. And that's what we in in the Coast Guard rely on predominantly in our areas. We don't have a lot of MTFs that we're surrounded by that we're able to fall back on their mental health providers. But even the MTF what's providers, that, what's, sorry, what's MTF? military treatment facility. So okay. um, a military medical treatment facility is where you're that's that's your primary go-to and and they have a little bit better access but honestly like i mean even that's a crapshoot depending on the region you're in if you're over at the national capital region like good luck even in some of these big areas you're looking at like san francisco seattle virginia like these places they're just saturated and you're still looking at that very large window until you can get an appointment and that's where it's important that if Again, start early. If you think you have something that you need to talk to somebody about, you think you're dealing with something, call CG Support. Get on that phone with that triage person that can help you decide whether or not you need counseling or whether they want to cook you with a financial counselor or a legal counselor or health coaching, depending on what's going on. What kind of repercussions are there for, now that I have a health professional in front of me, what are some, Not I don't want to use the word repercussions, 
No, I get you. I get what you, Stan. What What are some of the outcomes of seeking mental health in the Coast Guard? Like, if you just go, I'm, I'm just, I, I want to talk to somebody, and you, you, you it, it can be as vague as I just, I just want to talk to somebody, or it can be as, as specific as I would like to do self harm. What are, what are the ramifications, and how does it not, not soup just it, like. Short, I'm, not, I'm not asking for a short answer, but like I'm not going to give you one, so it's okay. I know, I know you're not. Uh, you know, I, I've only known you two and a half hours, that I know you're not going to give me a short answer. But you know, what? What if I call CG support and I reach out and I go, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. What are some of the repercussions in my military career that I'm looking at? If you call, and and so that's where it's so difficult, right? Because kind of like med boards. This is so individualized. You can't just say X, Y, and Z, right? Like there's a lot of different things, which is why I'm I'm a firm advocate and want to get information out there that I think people people just need to understand that it's okay to not be okay. It is. It yeah. it is it is yeah. okay to not be okay. And it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to get help. Because if we get if we get folks to ask for help early on, these are the folks that are gonna get help early on and it's gonna be okay. The problem becomes, and in answering this kind of a question, because I, I get this kind of question a lot, it it's not an easy answer, and and that's what sucks, and why I can't make it quick, because when we're looking at things like this, there are a lot of different repercussions that can take place for different members with different circumstances. It's okay to not be okay, but when we let it go to the point where it is a problem, and then there are circumstances where, for example, alcohol is involved, and then the firearm is involved. The command has to take action on that. They have to no, remove I, firearms I, from the situation. They have mm-hmm. to. They have to put things in place to ensure that the member is safe. Now, if we I are, my, I, I think my question is more. I, so I, I understand. I understand the firearms. I, I, I understand the alcohol. I think my question was more geared towards self harm, specifically. So, and that's where it's. If you call CG support and say that you're immediately. In, in threat of self-harm, they are going to refer you to the crisis line, which disgruntled sailor already mentioned. Because uh, as I kind of mentioned before, CG support is for non-medical counseling. And so they are going to immediately refer you to the crisis intervention line. Now, at that point, like there's no connection between the crisis intervention line and, and the Coast Guard. So we're not going to know, which is why it's important that you know, again, as supervisors, we're, we're in tune with our people and we, we're talking to people and understand how they're doing. But if you were to be a person, because Coast Guard support is not our only resource, right? You can, you have, you have CG support, you have your Coast Guard primary care manager or your civilian primary care manager if you're in the white spaces we kind of talked about earlier. Your Coast Guard primary care manager can give you a referral for a couple of different options. There are civilians that are in your local area that they can just refer to within the TRICARE network. There's also a new initiative that they're coming out with called Telemind, which is a nationwide virtual mental health care option, which allows you quicker access to telehealth, mental health, which from everything that I've seen within my AOR has been a really quick turnaround in comparison to the in-person appointments. But we also understand that every circumstance is different, and some people want to talk to someone in person because they're going to they, they feel as though they're going to have a better interaction with that. Not everyone can interact over telehealth. So you can tell your PCM you're having self harm thoughts, and well, 
what what happens what happens then so if you you walk into your coast guard clinic and you say hey i've been having some problems with some things and like i've been thinking of self-harm so now there there's a few different again that's where it's from the non-medical perspective i I understand it's like super vague it is and and that's where it's tough like specific and and that's where like there's there's the the concept of immediate threat right so if you've made it as far to call and like hey i've been having thoughts of of suicidal ideations and like i've been having thoughts of killing myself and i don't know what to do and i need help like okay we're going to sit down and the the provider is going to sit down with you and they're going to ask you a bunch of questions and they're trying to get to the bottom of of what is the impetus what are your risk factors so you have you have risk factors and you have protective factors you have what is going to put you at risk and what is keeping you from being out of risk what are the things that you're looking forward to you, you want to stay in the coast guard you're looking forward to transferring or is it a, a risk factor where you're you're thinking you're getting kicked out of the coast guard and you're also transferring to a unit you don't want to go to and they have to evaluate all of this on such an individual level where if if but again from our perspective as as provi- as medical professionals and being in the room with someone everything that happens after you check into your appointment is an absolute win because you're there to talk to us. So we know this is something that where you're in the room with us and we're able to say, hey, man, like, what's going on? How can we help you? Like, tell us what's going on in your life. And I think that a lot of a lot of the times people get a, a connotation that it, it's if you go to medical and say, uh, I'm thinking of self-harm, it's immediately looked at as as a negative thing, and you're going to get negative repercussions. And and that's and that's extremely unfortunate, man. Like, and, and I really I wish it wasn't the case, and I'm I'm actively actively working on trying to make sure it's not the case. But it, it's it's hard to do. Like, and and there's it's tough because from my perspective, at looking at the cases that I have in my AOR, I know a lot of these people have been putting them off, and when they put them off, it gets worse. When it becomes again, yeah. when it's that, when it's just that that impetus of like I'm having a huff, uh, tough time, and I've got some money issues, and like things are starting to compound, they don't get help because they're worried of those repercussions. And then by the yeah. time they by the time they end up getting help, it, it's too late, and they they see these repercussions. But like you mentioned the firearms thing earlier, but like a lot of people, when you have to go in and the command has to remove a firearm from a household, that means a lot to people. That, that, that is yeah. a sense of freedom. That's a sense of entitlement that they have. And so by the time we get to that point, it, it's tough to try and talk to someone about the fact that, like, we've, we've already crossed a line. And it's tough because yeah. I can't explain those lines to people. I can't sit here on this podcast and tell you to, like, hey, man, th- this is the line. And once you say this, like, there's no going back because it is so individualized. And, and that's where it's tough. The, the, main, the main groups of people that we get questions about when it comes to like how bad is it going to go how fast right because like seaman timmy at base or, or whatever it is that disgruntled sailor did when he was an honor eight uh it it was it, it's it's easier but when you look at groups of people like hey we have os's who have security clearances and they're worried about those getting revoked you have the mm-hmm. aviation community and and they're concerned about being grounded and then you have carry certain communities like you've got you've got gunners mates and MEs who are immediately concerned about access to the armory and carrying guns for a living. Your small boat station mm-hmm. crews are concerned about being able to carry a firearm in, in the pursuit of their duties. And so there's there's those concerns. And and so to kind of try and break those down a little bit, my 
the, the district in which I currently reside, the Admiral has instituted a suicide and mental health task force, and I am on it. And we are currently addressing all three of those issues and trying to figure out how we can best, one, articulate the, the repercussions that, that may come so that there is an expectation and there's an understanding throughout the community of what may happen if you seek help, but two, to try and relax some of these constraints that we have specifically with with airedale groundings that is something that we know about and that is something that has been brought up to the point where it needs to be specifically stated with cg support they're like if you're an airedale you must confer with your flight surgeon to ensure that they know that you were seeking help and the so dod like my, my, doesn't my, have that my, my main concern like you know the the task force is a great idea i'm not taking away from that but with you know Veteran suicide and active duty suicide is not a fucking new thing. It's been going on since World War One and no, before agreed. that. You know, why why do we have to do a quote task force now when it's such For something a, that should have been handled something or, that, or, or look addressed a long time ago. I mean yes. like I I'm good, man, but I'm not that good. Like I obviously cannot give you an answer to that. All I can tell I, you I I wasn't I wasn't looking for like a uh, I wasn't looking for a definitive answer. I was no, just kind of saying, like... No, I agree. And it's... I, I mean, unfortunately, the same thing could be said about every every issue that we're dealing with. Now, sexual assault, like, mental health crisis, it's all it's all a thing that's been, been dealt with for ages, and yet we still don't have a, a limelight. But what I can tell you is that at, in my district, we have pieces of paper on Admiral's desks concerning revising the SF-86 and the currently the current weird security clearance questionnaires that get put out for psychological health and the fact that there's so few things that you can seek healthcare for and not immediately lose your clearance and the fact that you have to be immediately grounded like these things are being brought to the limelight and I mean you guys even to yourself like with what happened with the individual that put something on reddit like you guys know that this is getting top level information and top level attention and and i can say that at least from my perspective there are people that are trying for it so you go in and see your pcm what happens right you're going to get a limited duty chit if the provider deems it necessary that limited duty chit may say not to carry firearms it may say if you're on a cutter like no sea duty no deployments it may say that you're in the comm center and you can't stand watch but it depends on what the circumstances are. There is no absolute, much like with everything we've been discussing, there is no absolute that says if A, then B. It's up to the provider's determination because there's a lot of things that, like, if someone dealt with something in a, in a comsen and they, they're dealing with that and trying to work through it, they need to be removed from that environment. And it's nothing against them. And that's when the supervisors come in and the, the shipmates and the friends come in to say, hey, man, like, it's okay. Like, we get it. You, you've been dealing with stuff and it's okay that you're not you're not in this right now uh one of the assets that we're standing up across the entire coast guard right now is our, our behavioral health providers so each district is getting a behavioral health provider that is in the major hub clinics like mainly the bases to to be there to put a, a better light on and assist the primary care managers on assessing where these people are and and what kind of assistance they need now one of the misconceptions that we've kind of been dealing with is that people think that they're there for their routine counseling and their their routine care and unfortunately they're not we're just not there yet we still have to refer out but what it does do 
is it lets us have an in-house perspective on patients' mental mental health and give a better that was delightful and give a yeah, right? a better Sorry. a better picture to the provider and a better picture to the command in evaluating these risk factors and these protective factors to make sure that that the patients are getting what they need which is ultimately our our desire yeah that was yeah. going to be my next question was like it do you know of anything that the coast guard is currently doing in regards to like bolstering mental health and access to care and stuff and i i think you you answered it somewhat with uh bringing in each district specific mental health providers but at the same time like is it multiple providers per district or is it like just one because like some districts are fucking massive yes like the, oh, and that's a lot of work the size of the size of the continental united states yeah, yeah and and they have you know an exacerbated risk like so unfortunately right now no but we are bolstering it and i can tell you that they are being extremely well utilized and getting them on the phone with providers. And I know in certain districts we've instituted something called a mental health CIT or a crisis intervention team where especially because the, the units that have direct access to these kind of resources, aren't the ones that need, need the immediate help, right? Like it's the, it's the folks that are out in small boat station, middle of fucking nowhere, like, and they're the ones that need the help. And that XPO who, who just reported and, and had a non-right say something, he's the one that needs the help. So a lot of districts are also instituting a, a crisis intervention team for mental health where you that unit requests one through their district and immediately like the, the district is calling the clinic administrators, the, a, the mental health providers, the primary care managers, the work-life staff, and they're getting all of those resources on a phone, the chaplain, like immediately to get that command what they need. And and as an aside to that, that there's also one thing that I just wanted to make sure another misconception that a lot of people don't know. Commands can actually call CG support. There there's a, a subfacet of CG support available for commands. And it's not just like, hey, the CO. Like if you as a supervisor are concerned about how to interact with an individual who maybe got that duty chit and you don't know what to do with it, you can call CG support and get help on how to interact with that person and get some insight. Did you hear that, Mr. B and Q? Mr. B and Q, listen the fuck up. Like that's that's I didn't I didn't know that. So you, I didn't so know you mean either. like like the OIC of station whatever. Dude, don't even right. think about the OIC. Call. Like BM3, whoever. It doesn't fucking matter. They can call and, and call CG support and say, hey, I have a member who who just came back with a duty chit. And like I don't know how to interact with him. And everyone in my duty section is giving this guy shit because that's what we do. We eat our own. And I want to do the right thing. How do I fucking handle this situation? You can call CG support. That That is something that they can help you with. And And – they also, and all the way up to the OIC, who can also call CG support. And like I said, like CITs are incredibly, incredibly like resourceful to make sure that every local resource, because obviously we have insight into local resources at that level that CG support isn't going to have. But like generically being able to say like, hey, man, it's okay to it's okay to not be okay it's okay that your people aren't okay it doesn't make you a bad leader it doesn't mean you're a bad supervisor it's like shit happens let's figure out how you can deal with this what information are you taking in and what do you do with it yeah i didn't know you could you could do that as yeah. a supervisor or a command i thought it was specifically you know member specific 
and and they go as far as to say like even how to deal with teamwork issues and like worst pay, workplace communication like it's a whole it's called command consultations Ooh. but like it's 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 legit so and, well, and don't cool. forget work life um, staff like work life work life has a lot of great and they are district assets a lot of people get confused because they think that just that you know they're stationed with the big bases that they're a base problem but like, they're not use that Hiswell app and find your local work life assets and and get on the phone with them cool can i just say well, one more thing i feel like you're transitioning can i say one more thing i'm transitioning yeah go so ahead. okay one more thing uh assist i want to talk about assist for just a second because assist is a phenomenal class it stands for applied suicide intervention skills training uh, remember that tool I said that of a qual that I don't not a lot of people have that I do. I'm an assist instructor. I also have I have assist as well. So no. I have it as well. So I'm an assist instructor. So I'm able okay, to I teach assist. I don't have that. So there that. there are very few instructors that are blue suiters. Generally speaking, it's your work life staff or your chaplains that are assist instructors that are able to teach assist to other people. So if you think back to when you got assist, like it was probably a a, a work life staff or a chaplain, right? Mine was mine was a civilian. But so like it, it it is one of those things that I think we as blue suitors I know and I know like that that my district's mental health task force doesn't have shit to do with your districts, Mr. Miami, but I, I understand that. But what I will say is that we're trying to bolster the blue suitor population that is trained in both assist and safe talk and, and being able to have people who understand and people who are kind of uh, sometimes easier to relate to than a, a work-life staff member or a chaplain. But in conjunction with that, what I want to make sure everyone knows is like you guys are assist trained. That's awesome. A big misconception that we get is that when people become assist trained, they become subject matter experts in all the shit we just talked about. What happens to me when That's I get That's not a, fucking true no, at all. No, it's not at all. Close. But people think that, say, oh, go talk to someone who's assist trained. Like, that doesn't, assist training is to teach people how to talk, how to interact with someone who's in crisis and resources and skills to get them to communicate back with them and what to do when someone tells you, yes, I'm thinking of killing myself. That's what assist training is for. So please don't fall into that trap where you think that assist teaches people the ins and outs of the suicide program within the Coast Guard or the policy behind it. It does not. It is there to teach people how to communicate and how to help people that are in crisis, not to deal with the policy involved. Yeah, from what I remember about assist training, it it, it teaches you how to talk, like you said, and, and how to how to get someone to that next higher level of care that they may or may not need. Exactly. Keep them safe for now. That That's what assist is for. And yeah. that's extremely valuable. I, I mean, by no means discrediting it because again, like I'm an instructor, I, I love it. I want to facilitate assist classes for more people because I think it is an invaluable resource. But then I think like commands and people who just don't necessarily know, who think that they aren't the people that are necessarily going to be asked for help kind of turn on that switch where it's like oh go talk to an assist person and and we shun that and we, we need to all understand because if we know then we can help people now speaking of assist is that open since you're an instructor right is it open to every rate yes any anyone can go to assist now unf- and this is where it kind of gets tricky right because there aren't a lot of people like in my district there my entire district there are only two active or excuse me, three active 
assist instructors, me, the chaplain, and then another blue suitor. And like, we're obviously busy, so it's hard to get classes. And then the assist construct, it, the Living Works is the company that, that owns the assist program. They're extremely rigid with our instructor or facilitator to student ratios. So it's not like something that we can just have a, a whole auditorium full of people. It has to be very re well regulated and, and making sure that we're, we're giving the, the students or the, the people that are there to learn the best possible interactions. So yeah, anyone I can do it, but you have to find where it's available. And if you were concerned about that, please, like anyone, reach out to your CMC, reach out to your clinic, reach out to your chapman or chaplain, reach out to your, your work-life staff, g figure out when the next class is. And as well as that, you do not have to attend just a Coast Guard class. They, the, the Navy holds assist classes. The Army holds assist classes. That There are opportunities for you to do it depending on where you're stationed with other services. And, and they may, your unit may have to pay for it, but there are also civilian options as well. And, and assist, well. assist is a two-day class where it teaches you for two days how to, again, you know, interact with people at risk. But we also have a – there's a step down from that that's a one-day or a half-a-day class called Safe Talk, which just kind of learns the basics, learns how to ask the, the question, are you thinking of killing yourself, and then what to do if someone says yes. So there is a, a – a step down from that that's a little bit easier to access as well because that only requires one instructor and there's a few more of them throughout the Coast Guard. So that's another option I want to make sure everyone is aware of. Yep. Because for more for those of you who don't know, like asking that specific question, like are you thinking about, you know, causing harm to yourself or others, it's it sounds easy outside looking in. But it's hard when you're face to face with that person or on the phone with that person trying to 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 ask that question specifically like it's it's not it as extremely easy as difficult no it's extremely difficult and unfortunately we 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 think there's because there's also the the misunderstanding that people think that if i ask them if they're going to kill themselves i'm going to put the idea in your head and that simply is not true you you need to ask them and and there's studies and that's what we discuss in in both assist and safe talk that you will see when you ask someone if you are thinking of killing yourself and you ask that person that question, and they in fact are, they are actually relieved when you ask them because they know that they have someone who's willing to listen to them and is, is understanding of the circumstances they're in. So, But it is difficult, and, and sometimes we do. We fall back a little too hard on trying to, to be funny, and we, we ask questions like, you're not thinking of doing anything stupid, are you? And that puts an extreme negative connotation on, on what you're trying to ask, and, and you may shut that person down. So, so it is. It, it seems easy, like disgruntled sailor said, but it is in fact a very difficult thing to do. And being able to practice it in a controlled environment where you're safe, and you have facilitators there to help guide you through that, it, it's it's crucial to make sure that you're prepared for when that may come. Roger and speaking that. of, you were talking about mental health earlier, and the, and the services available, and you were talking about telemind. Now, now what? specifically is telemind for people who may or may not know so so telemind is a a initiative where we're trying to get telehealth mental health access to every person that we can so to use telehealth you have to go to your primary care manager and get a referral but every pcm that's within the coast guard we are all on meetings, or not we, I'm not a primary care manager, but all of them are on meetings, and we are 
spreading this information. They know what Telemind is. The referrals petty officers know what Telemind is. And it is there to grant you quick access to a virtual counselor to help you through whatever it is you're dealing with. And the benefit is because it's it's under TRICARE's umbrella and we know that it's there and they know that we're there. It's a one-stop shop. Everything is a lot faster than what we're dealing with than if we send you to the civilian market. Because the civilian market, any civilian specialty care is complicated from the start. But when you get into mental health care, it gets even more complicated. So if you are thinking about needing help, asking for help, do not hesitate to do all of the above. But please, like, you have Coast Guard support available to you. You go to your primary care manager, and they can kind of feel out what, what you're dealing with and what might be a better fit. But if you are open, because I know some people aren't open to the virtual option, but if you are open to the virtual option, Telemind gets you that access quicker than what we are seeing other accesses get you. Roger that. All right. Last calls for um, any mental health? All right. So, uh, Chief, when he gets back from taking a piss, is going to cover the university. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I forgot we haven't covered that yet. Yeah. We still have the FRC to do. What's up, everybody? It's the Disgruntled Sailor here, and I just wanted to take a minute to talk about one of our sponsors, Oak and Iron Coffee. Oak and Iron was founded to honor America's rich nautical history along with the history of the Coast Guard. Every member of their team has either served in the Coast Guard or a veteran who grew up on the water. They are putting out some amazing coffee. They offer whole bean or ground coffee along with K-cups, tumblers, and stickers. They can even do unit orders if needed. One of the best things about the company is that a portion of all the proceeds goes to support CGMA. So every time you buy from them, you're essentially helping your fellow Coasties who need it the most. Go check them out on Instagram at Oak and Iron Coffee or on the web at oakandirongcoffee.com and tell them the disgruntled sailor sent you. Are you ready for the FRC namesake? I am, but because uh, I obviously could still hear you guys talking. I uh, I just want to say, like, obviously we covered a lot. Like you guys mentioned, it's been three fucking hours. And, and I am simply a human. And, like, if I made a mistake and we figure something out, like, one thing that I know, because I, I know obviously, like, these two clowns chit-chat a lot about some bullshit and arguing about what color a fucking ribbon is as if it's a dress on Facebook. But like if it, thing, it, it, mistakes it happen, it, yeah. And I'm right about the color of the ribbon. Give obviously. <laughs> but like, Hey, like we're, we're, I'm putting a lot of information out there and obviously like this is a lot of different shit. And I want to just emphasize that like your coast guard HSs are not trained in what happens to you in the VA. Like we, that, that's not a training. That's not standard. So Ask yeah. questions, Look, and if you're concerned about the answer, like please continue to ask questions. Like like they always say, like make them tell you no. But if you're concerned, keep asking fucking questions. That's exactly why I haven't told you to shut the fuck up. Well, I mean, because I I appreciate you haven't that. you you haven't said anything that wasn't important. So like, let's just keep rolling. I like All it. All right, so my FRC. So I specifically requested this. To, because it, it means something to me. So I'm going to talk about the Coast Guard Cutter Robert Goldman. This is WPC 1142. So He was a salmon fisherman who grew up in the Northeast, and he sold his salmon for shekels. Right? Is that close? I'm, I'm, you're, you're, you're close. I don't know what the fuck I had to do with shackles. Maybe if he sold, like, beaver tails on the 
on the Lewis and Clark Trail, you maybe Listen, would have had a connection. If you've never there, had, but... if you've never had Beaver Tail, don't knock it. I haven't. Saying. Look, honestly, because I know that like I'm gonna have grief at least from the two people that I know that listen about that comment. The History Channel series alone, the dude fucking kills a beaver, and I've been fucking infatuated with it. And like, I want to know. Same. That's what I'm saying, man. Same. Same. Anyway, right. continue. So when when uh, Disgruntled Sailor hit me up about coming on the podcast, and I knew you guys were doing this because I absolutely love because I actually make to their chagrin the clinic has to teach a a snippet on history every time we do training every wednesday just to keep them fresh i bet they love you there they do not but that's okay like i said if anyone who goes and asks an hs like hey listen to this podcast i am sure that once they say who i am or at least the snippets of what they know the the answer will be that motherfucker but that's okay i'm all right with it (laughs) so i requested to talk about the uh cutter robert goldman so the Cutter Robert Goldman is uh, Hall 42, as I mentioned, and it is currently stationed in Bahrain. And it is named after a amazing gentleman who did some amazing stuff. So on October 20th, 1944, the Battle of Leyte Gulf started. Goldman was aboard LST-66, helping land thousands of troops on the island and resupplying equipment throughout the battle. Yes, you already have Are you a talking question. talking about, like... Yeah, like the Leyte Gulf, like the largest naval battle in naval history, one Leyte in the, Gulf. One in the same. Okay, continue. After and in case, so I used an acronym, LST, sorry, that stands for Landing Ship Tank. So he was on, on board LST-66. Well, I know you did, but it's not for you. It's for your mom, damn it. Okay, it's like she yeah. appreciates that. <laughs> yeah, Sandy after, appreciates everything. Sandy needs to send me some mustard, all right? So after a long <laughs> battle by air, on land, and at sea, LST-66 returned to Leyte Island November 12, 1944, to transfer cargo and onboard American troops. That evening, Goldman was on the deck with the crew and soldiers when a Japanese kamikaze plane emerged from behind the mountains. The plane struck the deck of the LST-66, exploding and spraying fuel and wreckage before crashing into the sea. The explosion wounded Goldman, setting fire to his back and wounding his leg with shrapnel. Despite these wounds and the shock of the sudden kamikaze, attack goldman's training prepared him for this as he rushed into action and provided medical assistance with his medical aid he quickly worked to treat the wounded service members by administering morphine and plasma goldman refused to receive treatment for himself until survivors moved all the wounded below deck for more comprehensive care once the immediate emergency had passed goldman received his medical attention Goldman was then evacuated along with other wounded to a different LST, which served as a makeshift hospital. Goldman later received a Bronze Star Medal and a Purple Heart. So he was a pharmacist mate. And and not for nothing, like just as a, a little piece that I enjoyed, he passed away in 2006 at the age of 86. He was survived by his three children, his wife, and he were married for 63 years. Holy shit. Right? So this dude was out here giving plasma, like yeah, I mean, that's like he not was doing something he was I doing plasma like. infusions and like as a as a pharmacy, a, a pharmacist mate, like that's the 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 predecessor to the predecessor of my rating, right? So like we didn't create HSs until 1983, and that's when they merged the Coast Guard Hospital Corpsman and Coast Guard Dental Tax into one rating, so. Like, it, this dude, like, he did some shit, and he was out there rendering aid, and he didn't care about himself. 
and and it's pretty awesome. Like I, I I'm glad that this is an FRC that went out to Bahrain, and I actually because when these when these FRCs transit, like FRCs don't have HSs on board, kind of like we talked earlier, right? Like they don't they're what's considered a, a minor cutter, so they don't have that HS support on board. But when they transit from here to Bahrain, they actually bring uh, an HS with them. And, and like, I know the HS that rode the Robert Goldman and I'm, I'm extremely jealous because of what she got to do when she was underway on that ship. And just like that, having that namesake with you. And that's, that's coming from me who I, I was, had the pleasure of sailing on the Monroe and the Douglas Monroe. It was the street 378 both times. It was just before they changed the name, but like, and I take extreme pride in that as well. But I think this is pretty cool, especially what you guys are doing spreading the information about these enlisted heroes and, and what they did. That's awesome. It's not, it's not often we get, um, a medical professional. Um, like I, when, when we do a lot of these, um, FRC namesakes, it's usually people in positions of search and rescue and, you know, um, ex- are you eating chicken fucking wings? Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way. Wouldn't have it any other way. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, extreme acts of heroism, or they're put into these scenarios um, where you're expected to see that kind of stuff, and it's cool to see somebody who was not expected to do what they did, and uh, you know, rose to the occasion. So that's really cool. It was a that's a good namesake. You know, and that's a, we you guys kind of touched on this before, but like we as as medical professionals. And, and kind of people in general, we expect sometimes expect like that's your job. Your job is to help people. Yeah. But like this dude, fucking like you, you're not expecting to get kamikaze. You're not expecting to have an attack that is going to kill a bunch of people. And and you know, in all of these circumstances, they they rose to the occasion. And I hope that you know every IDHS out there that's underway at this moment, besides the fact that they need to get on watch next, they when they get I, their next you know, call, I hope some of those crew buy them a fucking beer. I had an IDHS one time who stayed on the ship the entire fucking time. And the one time I got him off the ship for a medical fucking reason, as I'm helping him on the ship, kicked my fucking brand new sunglasses into the goddamn ocean. So, like, it, it's nice to see that some HSs do know what they're doing. Again, as I mentioned earlier, like, if anyone knows who I am, they're going to say that motherfucker. So, like, I've, I've done my fair <laughs> share of that, too, but... I'm just saying, if you're out there and you have an HS on your ship, buy that asshole a beer. Yeah, you don't, you don't piss off the cook, you don't piss off the guy with the guns, and you don't piss off your corpsman. Uh, with that being said, let's uh, get into some last call since it's, uh, you know, it's time. So, either of you fucking dirtbags have any last calls before I do mine? I do. Really? Yeah. Hurry up. All right. So... For all the millions of years of evolution to the human species, dogs and cats have a way better butthole for pooping without the need for wiping than we do. That's that's actually really good. Nothing's more important than a clean butthole, dude. I will fucking that second that out. shit. That checks out. That checks out. That checks out. Okay, I only have one more. All right, so your existence rests entirely upon the timely boners of a thousand ancestors correct yep everybody's here because your grandma had sex <laughs> all right, you got, I any, got. 
You got any there, Doc? Uh, shave chits are bullshit. And that's just because I'm the only one here who doesn't have one. <laughs> Don't hate the play. Hit the game, dog. Yeah. All right. You ready for mine? Yeah. All right. Guy walks in your house, and he says, he holds up a paperclip, a standard paperclip. He says, you can hide this anywhere in your house, and if I'm going to bring a detective in here in 10 minutes. If he finds it, he gets 10 grand. If he doesn't find it, you get 10 grand. Where are you going to hide it? Am I in the house? Yep, it's your house. It's it's your paperclip. You have inside you have... me. That was my first thought too. <laughs> like swallow it. That's swallow it. Yeah, or you know, I mean like if you straighten that bitch out and then slide it into a piece of frozen meat and then freeze it, he's never going to find that shit. My, you know, it's the reason I said it is because when I read that, my first thought was, I'm going to shove that shit in my asshole. And you went the same fucking spot. (laughs) I did 100%. And I didn't even consider swallowing it. Like, I was just like, nope. Why'd you go smuggle this shit away? That's going right in my, yeah, that's going right in my bottle. All right. So I sent you something the other day. It's called the 999 challenge. All right. And, the guys that were doing it made it seem like it was this impossible fucking task. And oh, I looked yeah, at okay. it and I, I was remember. just like, that is like a slow Tuesday for me. So the nine, nine, nine challenges, nine hot dogs, nine beers and nine innings of baseball. I could crush that by the third inning. I could at do worst, that <laughs> at worst, at worst, right? Like, I think probably before you even challenge? show up, like before the game even starts realistically. Yeah. Like, like that's what yeah, I'm like saying. Yeah, like you got a pregame, right? Yeah. Like, how was that a fucking challenge? And like, they were like sweating it. Like, they're like at the seventh, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know if I can eat another fucking hot dog." I was like, "Dude, that is a slow Tuesday, yeah, like, motherfucker." Like, I ate two hot dogs before I even showed up here today. That's what I'm let saying. Let alone the beers I had. All right, next. So, do you know? You've heard of the Daddy Long Leg Spider? Hmm. Okay, did you know the daddy long leg spider isn't actually a spider? Excuse me? The daddy long leg, which its actual name is the Harvestman, all right? His actual name is the Harvestman, is not a spider. You want to know why? Uh, Yeah, I, I need to know why now because I've grown up my entire fucking life calling it a spider. Uh, First of all, I think it is absolutely fucking hilarious that this guy is eating fucking chicken wings. <laughs> well, remember Big J? Big J ate cheeseburgers. Well, I just think it's fucking with hilarious. his shirt off. <laughs> At least I'm dressed. I know. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, so Daddy Longleg has so okay. What makes a spider a spider is eight legs, a like a thorax and an abdomen and eight eyes. Correct. So, a harvestman, aka a daddy long leg, only has abdomen. It doesn't have a thorax. It has a thorax, does not have an abdomen, and it only has two eyes. So, a daddy long leg is technically not a fucking spider. All right, but so like, it's skip, not an arachnid. skip to the good part. Like, what the fuck is it if it's not a spider? It's a fucking Obviously, bug, it's a bug. harvester. Well, I mean, that's it's not a, a it's thing. A bug, like, it's, a, a bug. it's a farmer. <laughs> You're going to give me that? It's a fucking. 
that much information on the fact that it's not a spider, but you can't tell me what it is. Like I call bullshit. Look, I, I'm I I can play you the fucking clip. I'm telling you, it's it's a fucking it's not a spider. It's not a fucking spider. It's just a fucking bug with some long ass legs. Did you ever? I'm gonna hear that, need like, that clip. <laughs> did you ever hear back in the day that uh, Daddy Long Legs were the most poisonous spiders on the planet? But they, yeah, but their mouth you... wasn't big enough to actually yeah. bite you. Yeah, yeah also, yeah. also horse shit. Because when I looked it up, that came up, and that's also not true. Look, I'm gonna need all these, all these facts that you're coming with right now because I'm, I've grown I'm... up my like how you felt with like medboard information and like not knowing all this shit. I feel right fucking now. Yeah. Well, that hurts. I mean, I can't please a... them all, but yeah. goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um. So if you think about it. Dogs are smarter than humans, and here's why. So dogs understand human words, but humans don't understand dog words. So like when I say bed, outside, crate, treat, they know what I'm saying, but when they go, I don't fucking have any idea what they're saying. I I mean, I, I see it, and I don't see it at the same time. Yeah? Because if I was to yell gibberish at you, and point to a certain thing, and you went and did that, whatever I was pointing at, right? Like, you got on a bed, okay? Like a dog bed, for example. If I just, if I made, like, if I just went, ah, and I pointed to the bed, and you went and got on the bed because you got rewarded for it, like, I don't think they necessarily understand certain words, except that certain praises happen because of certain words yeah but i know if i turn around and look at my dog like outside she's gonna be like oh and she's gonna fucking get all wound up like i would i go treat she's i would agree like there's a there's so like i I can see both of your guys arguments because like it pavlov right like you ring the bell the dog salivates because you're ready for you're ready for food but yeah the piece of it that i would counter that i don't think just colonel sailor did is that like if your dog fucking yelps in pain versus just yelps you know the difference and I think that, yes. like, that's enough to say that, like, you may not understand what they're saying, but you know the difference between an ow, you stepped on my paw, asshole, fucking yelp, and a, like, a, hey, I'm, you haven't fed me in two days, clown. Look, you can't, you can't that's pick. That's fair. You, you can't play both sides. Pick a side. Either I'm right or he's wrong. There's no in between. <laughs> pick a fucking lane. I, I think I can, in fact, choose both of those. <laughs> Listen, I don't give a shit if you're a chief. I'll fucking. Yeah. All right. No, no, no rank one. here. No rank here. Oh, there's rank here for sure. <laughs> All right, so I saw a post recently, and I li- like so I saw the post. I watched the whole thing, and then it literally made me think. And I really like posts that make me think. And so the question was, why do we like boobs? Like list from one to ten as many as you can why you like boobs. And after you make that list, you sound uh, like a crazy person. So. Reason number yeah, one. A hundred percent. Why do you like boobs? So you want me to read you the list that they created? They only had six. Yeah, because yeah, I, don't, I don't think you want our, our answers. <laughs> First reason. Like, if think about it. Like, why do you like boobs? And like, ooh, like a, they're fucking neat. First answer was, they're squishy. They feel good, right? You know, they feel good. Second, the number two answer was honking like honk honk like like it's fun to do that like <laughs> you know I'm gonna do that right after I get off this episode. <laughs> Three is they're fucking cool looking, right? They're cool looking, like you yeah, look. Because we them. don't have them, they're different. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, you have them. <laughs> you like, bitch, I'm skinnier than you. You fucking have them. <laughs> but they're cool to look at, right? And then, like, number four, they jiggle when they wiggle. But then that also comes back to, like, why is that in... What? Huh? I do... I do not jiggle when I walk. Yeah, the oh. fuck you do. <laughs> did the Fiora call you out? Yeah, she did. <laughs> which, which calls back to, like... Okay, so they jiggle when you when they walk, but like, why is that important? Like, why like, why are boobs cool? They j- you, they jiggle when you walk. Why is that cool? And you go, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I can see how you're gonna sound like a crazy person if you're trying to like explain it legit legitimately. So the last two is what made me laugh. All right, number number five is, you never know what the big ones are gonna do. They could go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you could you could wake up with a titty in your armpit they could hang down to your belly button they could stay in place you never know what the big ones are gonna do Ooh. and that made me fucking laugh and yeah. the last one was the the answer was titty milk and i'm not saying that is a viable op of like a viable answer but like the idea that they produce milk to make a child grow big and strong for some reason the way he phrased it as titty milk made me fucking laugh and like as I thought I I was like ha I giggled and I saved it because I thought it'd be funny and as I'm thinking about it like why 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 are tits cool like like give me give me like a legit reason it's it's the old like explain love to me like explain love to me like I love you like but I I don't know how to define that like I can't because I because I love you I get it's yeah, tough so man you don't so know. You don't, and then you, you start thinking about know. it and then you're like man you know what yeah, words like, weird explain bowl 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 explain why you like beer so much it tastes good and it makes me drunk yeah that was a bad example was that, that your was last one bad. no I have one more okay um. I the, the last one I wanted to end on something positive, so I'm screenshotting right now because it was a fucking video. Um, so something positive. <clears throat> so there was a guy in Texas, and I love Texas. I was I lived there for three years, fucking dope. And they do things a little. Texas is fucking great. Texas is great. Pass. Um, 100%. Pass. Yeah, I'm good. You're at HS. Your opinion, your opinion's invalid. I know. I get um, it. Yeah. Um, so this guy had a disabled child, and uh, they had a learning disability, and they were at a water park. I think it was like I think it, I, I want to say Schlitterbahn, or I think it was Schlitterbahn, and she went over to engage another group of children. And they didn't want to engage this his child because she had a learning disability and she had physical deformations that made her obviously um, – it made it readily apparent that she was disabled and they didn't want to pay, play with her. So this fucking dude – I'm going to read the headline. A Texas dad sold his business and built a $51 million amusement park for his disabled daughter with free admission for everyone with special needs. Oh, yeah. And so That's you can get, rad. yeah, so you can get in, you can go to this. It's an, so there's rides, there's, um, a water park section, every single ride in the entire park and every single 
attraction and the water park is designed for disabled children, whether it's wheelchair, physical, mental, whatever you got going on. It's designed specifically for that. And if you're you have a, uh, a physical disability or a mental disability, you get in absolutely free. No questions asked, including your family. And it shows the video shows like um, all the rides, like every single ride is like, you know, if you go to Disney, there's like there's 30 cars on, a, on the on the like thing. And the last one's like a handicap chair. Every single fucking one is like wheelchair accessible and all of the water park rides and all of the water park features are all um, geared towards physical and mental disabilities. So like if you can go, if you're not like, if you're, you're not mentally or physically disabled, you can go to the park, but you have to pay to get in. But if you are any sort of disabled physically or mentally, you get in and like, it's the video is very like uplifting. And it's, it's cool that like a dude went like, I don't need your fucking water park. I don't need your fucking amusement park. I'm going to buy my own shit. I'm going to go and I'm going to do this. And he builds it just so his kid can have an unadulterated time in an amusement park with like-minded and like physically abled people in in this fucking amusement park. It's fucking rad. And I just thought it say where it's at, what part of Texas. It does not say specifically which part of Texas. But I mean, if I had to narrow it down, I'd probably say like it's not in Houston. It's probably Austin or Dallas or San Antonio, if I had to guess. But it just it's just cool that like like to sell your business and build a fifty one million dollar amusement park for your kid, that's like the ultimate like not sacrifice, but like ultimate like I don't give a shit what anybody fucking says. I'm gonna do what I want and we're gonna fucking have a good ass fucking time. Get all your fucking people and we're fucking going to the water park. Yeah, th- I mean that reminds me of that story a while back that um a daughter was asking her dad if she could be a real life princess. And he said, you know what? I fuck. Yeah, you fucking can. And so the story goes, he found a piece of land that was unclaimed by any country. It was, I forget where it was at. Are you eating pizza now? (laughs) Pizza wings, baby. I'm just listening to the podcast at this point. Yeah. (laughs) So I I forget where it was at, uh, but this man claimed this piece of land that the two neighboring countries didn't want. Like there was like a stretch of land in between the two neighboring countries and nobody claimed it. And uh, so he claimed the land like people have been claiming land for millennia. Right. He had a flag custom made and he fucking flew there and planted it in the ground and goes, this is fucking mine. Uh. And he proclaimed himself as the king of the the land and his daughter as the princess and made his daughter a real-life fucking princess. And at the time when I read the article, he was petitioning NATO to formally recognize uh, the country that he created. And I was like... That's a dad that went above and fucking beyond for his kid. And that's the same thing that, that you're fucking... The story you talked about, like that's the same no. same principles. I feel like when I buy it, like I like I cave and let them have McDonald's. I feel like a good dad. Like ah, you're fucking right. Like, well, you know, okay. So like, first of all, I'm a fast food connoisseur. McDonald's is acceptable all the fucking time, even with the pieces of microplastic. A hundred percent. 
All right. <laughs> well, that's all I fucking had. Uh, I want to bring up one more thing before we, we head out. Of course you do. So, I made a post. Uh, it was maybe a week ago now, or a few days ago, depending on the timeline when this episode gets released, because it's going to take some hella editing because it's super fucking long. Uh, I, you know, we drink a lot of beer between Mr. Miami and myself. I mean, a not me. Time. No, I barely drink. I am a okay. very, very lightweight. Oh, okay. Habitual liar. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, so I said, you know what? Well, you know, a few episodes ago, I said we need like ridiculous sponsors, and you know, I tried to get you to reach out to your contacts to get Herlockers Mustard as a sponsor for the podcast because I thought that was I was kind fitting, of tried. I kind of tried for us, right? So, you know, I was talking to. Uh, a friend of mine at work, and I was like, you know what I want? 100% want? I want a beer sponsor. But I don't know how to do it. And she just looked at me and goes, just make a post and tag a shit ton of beer people. And so I thought about it for a solid three days. And I, you know, I went into her office and I go, you know what? I'm doing it right fucking now in front of you because you gave me the idea. And so I, all I said was, we want a beer sponsor. Someone's got to know somebody or someone's got to know someone or something like that. And I just started tagging random beer people. Like, like not beer that I didn't drink, like beer that, that I've had before that I genuinely liked. Okay. So I don't know if you guys know, but Instagram only lets you tag 20 fucking people. And obviously I've drank more than 20 different, you know, companies beers. Uh, so I was only able to tag 20. There were some that I wanted to tag that it wouldn't let me. And I didn't feel like making a second post because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty bad at my, what I do. So I, uh, I posted it and just put it out on the internet and asked the internet gods for a beer sponsor. Samuel Adams liked the post. Bowie beer liked the post. Fort George liked the post. And... Shiner Beer from Shiner, Texas, which is, happens to be some of my favorite beer I've ever tried, liked the post. Agreed. Then I had a listener forward. I didn't have him do it. He did it on his own. A listener, and I, I'll say his name. It was, uh, his last name is, is Kuntz, like C-O-O-N-T-Z. Uh, he forwarded my story to I, I I assume it's some friends of his uh, that own a beer company and they ended up sliding in my DMs and was like bro what do you need and so I reached out to Mr. Miami because I didn't think anything was gonna actually gonna happen off that post you know like me asking the internet gods for help and then them actually responding so I just told him like the history of the show and why we do it and you know what what we're hoping to get out of the show in general and he was like, "You know what, bro? I got you." And so I just want to let everybody know that we may have potentially snagged a beer sponsor. Uh well, we're still working on some details and we're we're not quite 100% set up yet. Uh so once that deal gets done then we'll put that out there 
But that is all the time we have left in this episode. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Later.